We're going to go to Job chapter 1. We continue on in our series through the book of Job, the faith of Job, Job chapter number 1. Now I'm okay. Now I'm not okay. Now I am okay. It's the pulpit tonight, I'm telling you. It got me, it got Brother Mike, I'm telling you, we're in trouble. Job chapter number one, look down to verse number 13. Read along with me if you will. Um, If you'll follow along, I'll read. We're going to read on into chapter number two. Not too far, but a little ways, so just follow along with me. Job chapter 1 verse 13, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven. And hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another. And said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose, and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. And said, Naked came I. Out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, in in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered and said, from going to and fro in the earth, and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest uh, movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd, 
to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Excuse me, dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. I'll title the message tonight, Keeping the Faith in Unhappy Times. The faith of Job. Well, we hear it all the time, the faith of Job. Pray for it, Lord, I need that type of faith. Well, we need to learn how to keep our faith even in the unhappy times. Let's pray. We'll get right on into the Word. Father, help us, Lord, please, please. We just need clarity of mind and speech. and You just know what our needs are, Lord. We pray for boldness and power um, that we would be able to preach this message uh, just the way that you would have it done, that it might be a help to the listeners tonight, whether right here in this room or by live stream. Lord, that your will would be done, we pray, and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Please be seated. Who remembers where they were on 9-11-2001? That's kind of hard to forget, isn't it? It It's a beautiful day right outside of Chicago where I was preaching in a fellowship meeting there. And really, even as uh, we got up and had our morning and uh, coffee and read our Bibles and all, uh, living our fifth will at the time, uh, we thought, hey, going to be a beautiful day, great day. We get to go and listen to some preaching, have some fellowship, get to preach. I mean, we thought it was going to be just another day. It seemed like any other morning as it began. And no doubt there were thousands of families there in New York City uh, that got up that day. They got dressed, they ate breakfast, uh, they said goodbyes to one another, and took off into their day, headed out to school or headed out to their jobs or wherever they may have been going. Uh, no, no doubt many just looking forward to the day and not expecting uh, much different than any other Tuesday uh, that they have lived before. Uh, in their lives. But before that day was over, we know that 2,996 people were dead, including the 19 terrorist hijackers, and over 6,000 more ended up injured because of that terrible attack attack on America that day. And uh, there were some folks, certainly, that lived to tell about it, but cannot do so. They don't want to talk about it. The memories of the tragedy, the things that they saw, the things that they heard, I mean, it just left them devastated. And they don't like to go back and relive those things. The suffering that they saw is just just too much. It was too much to ever want to talk about again. Uh, For a lot of people, no doubt, it will definitely go down as the very worst day of their life. It really is hard for us that weren't there 
to imagine the real terror that was going on in the city. I mean, being right there, um, out there in the city uh, with your eyeballs planted on, on the Twin Towers there. Uh, even though we watched it on television, I remember uh, that, uh, that one of the preaching sessions was over. We took a break. Uh, there was a television set downstairs where uh, we went down to get a, get a cup of coffee. And uh, one of the planes had already hit one of the towers. And we were just standing down there wondering what in the world is going on. And then the second plane uh, hit that second tower. Um, uh, even though we kind of watched it all unfold, we didn't personally see the sights. We weren't there. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't hear the sounds. Uh, we didn't smell the smells. Um, we didn't breathe the dust that came uh, rolling through the city when those big buildings came down. And most of us were not even personally, personally uh, touched by the devastation, although no doubt we mourn for those that were. It was, a, it was a sad, sad time in our nation. It was a hard, hard time in our nation. But think about Job. Job had a personal day of trauma and grief like many have never experienced. We have to remember, this isn't a story. This is an account of something that really took place one day. He got up one morning, probably expecting just another day. I'll go out and I'll do some worship. I'll go and do some work. It may have even been a beautiful day as far as the sun coming up and Lit up his world. Everything just seemed great. Um, but by the end of the day, pardon me, he was uh, sorting through the rubble. He was counting bodies. And uh, he was working to make sense of what all had taken place. I mean, his day started out fine. And then tragedy hit. And it's really something, we have to be very careful in this as Bible readers and Bible believers. We have to be careful because just because we can read this account and know that the devil was at the bottom of it all, it really doesn't take away the fact of what all Job went through that day. I mean, we can read it, we know what's behind it. It's like, yeah, man, that sorry devil and all that. But it doesn't take away anything from what all Job went through himself on that day. What, what he went through, the, the, the losses that he suffered were real. And can you imagine the grief? Truly thinking about everything that we just read there. Can you, can you imagine the grief in his own life at that point? And, and to think that his response was what it was at that time is truly amazing. I mean, really amazing. After suffering all that loss... Pretty much everything in his life had been taken away but his faith. And he responded to it all by saying that God was enough. Every time that we read this account and think of what Job went through, all the suffering and his response to it all, it really is good for you and I to ponder our own reaction to the things that we go through. 
Now, as we, we read this and we think about everything that Job went through and the way that he responded to it, it's good for, it's good for us to do some inspection and to just ponder about how we react to those things that come about in our life. I mean, do, do we whine about those things? Do we tend to complain about every trial that comes into our life? Do we sulk about those things and maybe even quietly tell God that it's just not fair? Uh, do we even maybe even accuse God of being cruel? Well, why did you let this happen to me? I was doing everything I was supposed to do. Or maybe we just make up our minds that we can handle it ourselves. I mean, we don't even go to God. We don't even run to God. We don't even ask God how we should be looking at that situation or how we should be handling those things that come up, uh, come up in our life. After all, you know, I mean, at those times, we know better what's for our lives than God, don't we? And when we're like that, do we really take into consideration what type of response, what that type of response shows about our trust or our lack of trust of God? When we don't go to Him, when we get upset, I mean, and and do we think about what it says about, come on, think about it, think with me. do Do we really think about what it says about what He what God means to us personally? The book of James reminds us that uh, the trying of our faith work is patience. And that we are to let patience have her perfect work. I mean, God's working in our life no matter what's going on. You know, come on, come on. 8.28, Romans 8.28, for all things, for we know all things work together for good to them that love God. For, uh, come on. Those things are supposed to help us be more like Christ. While going through the book of Job, we really do see a need to take a good look at our faith before the trials come to us. I'm thankful we have the Bible. And that God gives us accounts such as this that we can glean from, that we can learn from. Come on, there was a man named Job. He was a real man. He suffered this real tragedy. And yet he never did sin foolishly. He did not blame God for what was going on. We, we can learn. We really can learn how to worship God through our trials. Even, even as we to worship Him even as we do when things are running smooth. Come on, when things are going good and we can't even see suffering on the horizon, how we worship Him then, man, how's it going? Oh, preacher, oh, I'm telling you, man, God has been good and, and man, the job's going well and the kids haven't been sick, car's running good, everything's just, man, God's so good to me. Well, He's good to you in the bad times too. And we have to learn from accounts that God gives us the way that we are to respond when tragedy happens in our life, when bad things happen in our life. 
I'm thankful for the Bible because truly if we are seeking those types of things, the wisdom that we can glean and what God wants to teach us, we can learn. But there's a need to understand suffering. Most suffering comes from, most suffering comes as a result of loss. Of loss. Now think about it with me. Stay with me. We, we, have, we have our comfort. We have our possessions. We have our relationships. We even have our health. When, when those things that we value are threatened or destroyed, they're suffering. We don't like it. And, and if there's no real threat, or uh, uh, if there's no real threat of loss or, or no actual loss, real, real suffering's not an issue. We might build up some things in our own mind about how things, bad things are, but that's not real suffering. You might say, well, preacher, how do we measure suffering? Well, one measure of our suffering is how uh, unforeseen the loss might be. Uh, What are you talking about? Well, uh, it's kind of like this. If we're driving an old clunker, you know, just an old beat-up car, and, and, and it's just hanging on by a thread, it burns more oil than gas, and, the, and we're driving that car, and the engine throws a rod, I mean, it's, it's not going to hurt us near as bad as if we were driving a new car and it blows the motor a month after the warranty expires. I think that's probably going to upset us a little bit more. The loss is going to be worse in that case. The day that Satan uh, took Job's children, they were celebrating the blessings of life. I mean, they were having celebration. They weren't doing things wrong. No, 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 they weren't doing anything wrong. They were together. They were celebrating birthdays. I mean, they were having a good time. They were there celebrating. And on those days, when those days are like that, we don't really think about, we don't really expect anything bad to happen. I mean, boy, this is good time. We're all together. This is a wonderful thing. And we really don't expect anything bad to happen. We're thinking about how good life truly is to us, how good God is is to us. And to suffer such a disaster during those times, it really just magnifies the tragedy. Everything's going along good. Everything's good. Everything's fine. But another measure is how much we value the things that are lost. You know, if if your child has a goldfish, and uh, he finds his goldfish asleep on his back, in his goldfish bowl. And you end up having to uh, have a burial at sea. <laughs> okay, I thought it was funny. Anyway, <clears throat> the child might shed a tear. Sad for the goldfish. It's just a terrible thing. But after ice cream and a good night's sleep, they're probably not going to think much about it the next day. It's just not that big a deal. It's not like when we lose somebody that's really close to us, you know, like a a parent or a child or a close friend or a spouse. Different. And the higher the value that we place on whatever it is that is lost, the the worse the suffering is going to be. You think about it. In less than 24 hours, Job lost most all his wealth and all of his children. In less than 24 hours. And while his heart is still trying to recover from those terrible losses, 
then all of a sudden he loses his health. He not only lost his health, he lost the backing of his wife. And he lost the trust of his friends. I mean, his life's pretty much in bad shape. Can you imagine it? No, I mean, the reports of losses coming in one after another, and with each one, the pain and the distress is getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, he heard that his oxen, his donkeys were stolen. And though it had to be a very hard blow, he knew he still had some sheep and some camels. I still got sheep and camels out there. I hate that they're gone, but I still got the sheep and the camels. And he learns that the camels had been taken and that all his sheep had been slaughtered. And maybe, I don't know, but maybe a thought went through his mind like, well, boy, you know, I, I can work at building all that livestock back up. Man, thank God I still have my family. And then reports keep coming. And he hears about the loss of his children. And at that point, I can only think that um, there's a broken man there. I mean broken. Tears flowing. Head in his hands. What am I going to do? Bad enough that I lost all my livestock. My servants are dead. Now my children too. The suffering that he was experiencing right there at that time must have been unbearable. I mean hard. There are challenges, see, that go along with suffering. Suffering's not something that we will suffering is not something that we will always understand even though suffering is very common in our world, we'll not always understand it. And here is the question that is most asked during times such as Job was going through. Here's the question that's asked. Why? Why? I was trying hard to do right. Trying to live right. Trying to do the right things. Why do such things happen? Why am I going through this? Why are they going through this? Are are they just having a a stint of bad luck? Is it just bad luck? I mean, or or maybe this was an act of God, or or maybe it's just fate. Is that a possibility? I mean, that that it's just fate, or, or maybe it's none of these. Maybe it's none of those things. We read it there, the, the, the servant came to Job to report the loss of his sheep and, and the, loss, uh, the loss of the shepherds also. And he said, he said it was the fire of God that fell and took them. That's what, the, that's what the servant said. The fire of God came and took them. So the, the servant attributed it to an act of God. But it wasn't an act of God. No, 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 no. It was the devil that caused it. Wanted to blame God right away. Most of the time when something terrible happens, we really don't know where to place the blame when something terrible happens. 
So we have to be careful when something like that happens. We have to be careful when we're trying to judge the cause of our suffering. And we certainly need to be careful not too quick to blame God for such things. Really, it's not good to misrepresent God by declaring that something is the judgment of God when we truly don't know that to be the case. And if we're not careful, please listen to this. If we're not careful, we may create a false guilt. False guilt. Wait, 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 preacher. Wait, wait, stop it. What, what, what are you talking about? You know, um, blaming ourselves when that may not be the case at all. I said we have to be very, very careful about just blaming ourselves for something bad that happens or is happening in our life. Because that may not be the case at all. But there is also the danger of overlooking um, spiritual realities. We don't want to overlook those. I mean, when, even when Job's boils begin to rise up in his skin, um, someone may have had a uh, medical explanation for those. Well, I, it, it appears to me that he is... Well, but even if they would have had a medical explanation, that would not have explained the real reason that Job had those boils. Because God is in control. Job did a good job. I think we can learn a lesson right here. Job did a real good job. And and we should all probably try to learn something right here. If we don't have answers, I mean, definite, real answers to something that's going on in someone's life or in our own life. If we don't have real answers for that, it's probably best we just focus on not doing anything sinful and keeping watch on our mouth that we don't say anything foolish. No, that's exactly what Job did. He didn't do anything. And in this, verse 22, chapter 1, in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In all that. Let's acknowledge the value of life. All things continue to grow worse for Job. And then finally, his wife, unintentionally, I'm sure, took sides with the devil and encouraged her husband to curse God and die. Mercy's sakes, Job. I don't know what's caused all this on you, but 
You probably ought to just curse God and die. What a great helpmate. But we have to think about something here, truly. If we go down, if we went over to Job chapter 7, we won't, Job chapter 7, verse number 5, we would see that Job was covered with dirt. That's probably from sitting down in the ash pile with that piece of broken pottery and scraping the boils off of him. Off of him. Job chapter 7, verse 5 says he was covered with dirt and that uh, the sores were probably still oozing. And uh, it says that he was infested with worms. Over there, Job chapter 7, verse 5. It's not a pretty sight. Come on, in anyone's estimation, it's not a pretty sight. He's lost everything he's had, he had, pretty much. Lost his health. He's got to be miserable. Come on, stay with me here, stay with me, stay with me. He's got to be miserable. Come on. Okay. So he sinned not, and he didn't charge God foolishly. But he has to be miserable. He lost all his goods. He lost his children. His wife told him, you ought to just die. He's got to be miserable. So the missus has been watching this deterioration, all the help, sitting there, probably cries a lot. I mean, I can't even imagine. And she finally comes to the decision that his life's just not worth living anymore. Job, you're not any good to anybody. Mercy. Y'all just curse God and die. So let's let this make us think for, for a few more minutes. Stay with me. What Job's going through makes us think about the issue, the issue of life versus the quality of life. Quality of life could be defined as a level of satisfaction, a level of comfort, level of function that someone might reasonably expect while they're living here on this earth. You know, I want to have quality of life. And everybody, you know, wants quality of life. Certainly, that's right. Yeah. And Mrs. Job is saying, by her own estimation, that Job's quality of life has been depleted. And because of that, that he had lost value of life itself. Look, Job... Your, your quality of life is just terrible. There's really no reason for you to live anymore. Your life's just not worth anything anymore. When, when sickness and suffering come along, there are many, many people that only want to, they only tend to see two alternatives. Either recover their quality of life or die. 
Now we know that Job never sinned and that he never, he never, he never uh, 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 charged God foolishly. There was a time that Job said, in essence, he said, it would have been better if I'd never been born. There was a time he said that. But if you were sitting down in a pile of ashes with a piece of broken pottery, scraping boils from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, you might have that thought also. Man, he may have been better if I was just never born. Quality of life. When we continue to look at the life of Job, he teaches us that suffering while keeping our faith in God is really a legitimate cause for not prematurely ending a life. In fact, in the end of all, Job's commended for it. He kept the faith. Come on, the faith of Job. He kept faith in God. So let's learn. Come on, one more, one more. Let's learn from Job's response to all that he went through. Let's learn a little bit of that. Because we need to see it. Because it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a great reality here. Because Job did respond with grief. He did respond with grief. Job chapter 1, verse number uh, 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, tore his clothes, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Can I tell you that neither grief nor tears are a sign of unbelief? Stay with me, stay with me. Neither grief nor tears is a sign of unbelief. No, 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 no. God created us and we're human. Grief is a natural, uh, it's a natural emotion at times. And tears can be a great relief at times, can't they? Truly. Mourning and Sorrow are nothing to be ashamed of because they're a very natural response to pain and suffering. And I'm telling you, somebody, somebody, that, would, uh, somebody that would deny a natural grieving process or someone that would suppress their tears for any reason are sacrificing the benefit of God-given ways of release. There is a natural grieving process. Tears are not a bad thing. God gave us emotions. And when our emotions are appropriately expressed, we're not, we're not, come on, we're not to let our emotions run us. But when our emotions are appropriately expressed, they are avenues of release that can relieve the pain of a wounded soul. Can help us. To get through those hard times. And please get this. Please get this. Please get this. Faith. Faith. Is not an. Faith is not an alternative. To the grieving process. Please get this. Faith is not an alternative. To the grieving process. No, no, no. It's used to keep the grieving process in its intended boundaries. Grieving can go on too long. 
and it becomes a bad thing instead of a good thing. If we allow grief to get out of bounds, it can turn into extreme anger, depression, hatred, um, apathy, where we just don't care about anything at all. God gave us a grieving process, and a grieving process is good. If we allow it to get out of bounds, it can be bad. And our faith in God gives us direction for our grief. Because in the grieving process, if we keep our faith, it will turn us to God. He can help us through anything we might face. And wants to. He's there for us. He can carry us through. But he also, Job also responded with worship. Verse number 21 says in, uh, well, verse 20, and he rose, ran his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, worshiped. Worshiped. Uh, chapter number 2 Excuse me, in verse number 10. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive? Good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. He responded with worship. <clears throat> and he declared, and he declared, stay with me, I'm real close to be done. He declared the sovereignty of God. He said, The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. God can do that. Everything belongs to him. God can give and God can take away if he so chooses. So he declared the sovereignty of God. Job had no idea. Come on, say with me. Job had no idea of Satan's role. He had no idea what, what Satan was doing in all of this. But he was sure of God's role. He was sure that God was in control. And neither could he tell you what God was doing in his life. Well, Job, what, what is God doing in your life? Come on, at that time, that's where he was. That's exactly where he was. He had no idea. He had no idea. But Job had a firm belief that God knew what he was doing. And at that point, that is all that mattered to Job. God knows what's going on. No, I'm saying that's where he was. God knows what's going on. And he even affirmed the goodness of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave, and the Lord taken, has taken, hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, when someone curses God, accuses God, really he's accusing God of being unfair or being unjust or, or, or being unkind or even being evil. Why, why are you letting this happen? But when Job blessed the name of the Lord, he was affirming that he was fully confident in God's goodness, in God's love, and in God's grace. I don't know what's going on, but God does. And I'm just going to trust him. And I'm going to stay faithful. 
And I'm going to continue to worship. And I'm going to keep him first. And he's going to see me through this. <clears throat> Someone wrote this. I thought it was very good. It says, when a child of God is seen searching through the wreckage of shattered dreams, lost loved ones, or debilitating pain for reasons to praise the Lord, it is an unparalleled proof of the power of Christ to transform and satisfy His people. Well, that's good by itself. He goes on, though. When they publicly call upon His name, making His deeds known among the masses, the gratefulness of God's children redounds to the glory of God's grace. We are nowhere as able to shine for Christ as in the darkness of our own heartache and loss. In that moment, we have the greatest potential to fulfill the greatest purpose of our lives, and that is to exalt the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, preacher, that's, man, that's pretty, that's pretty tough stuff. It is. But it's very true. And today in our society, in our world, we've been, we've been given so many ways out. All these different self-help books, this humanistic thinking. We've been given so many other ways out whether it be alcohol or drugs or whatever other things might satisfy the flesh for a time to overcome the grief that we might go through. But none of those are God's way. And none of those will honor and glorify Him. None of those will make people think that your faith is strong. None of those. And we have to remember and always keep it in mind that the devil is always looking to destroy our joy, destroy our hope, destroy our confidence in God. And he has two weapons that he uses often to do so. He, he uses unlimited pleasure. Get this. He uses unlimited pleasure to convince us that God is insignificant. We, we can find pleasure in other places. I mean, if there are things that are much more important to our lives than the person of God and His blessings, I can go out and find blessings on my own. Or He uses pain. The devil. He uses pain. To try to convince us that God doesn't care. Or that God is powerless. Or that God is even cruel. I can't believe that God did this to me. I've heard it come out of the mouth of people before. But our suffering, when handled correctly, can provide an opportunity to examine our view of God and really to determine the object of our faith. When those times come, we will respond in such a way that it demonstrates to others and ourselves that God is, that God is wise and good and gracious and sovereign. 
Why is this happening in your life? I don't know, but God knows. And I know this about God. God is, God is good, and God is gracious, and God is wise, and God is in control. So when those bad things happen, will we continue to worship Him? Will we continue to bless His holy name? Truly, has our faith been in God? Or has our faith been in the things that God has given us along the way that we lose, that might be gone? Boy, in the book of Job, and as we continue on, hopefully we can really get some things settled and learn to keep the faith even in unhappy times. Because no matter what's going on in our lives, God's in control. And He loves us. And He knows the outcome. And I love the end of the book of Job. Oh, it's going to take us a while to get there, 42 chapters. But I love the end of the book of Job. Because God blesses him abundantly for keeping the faith. For keeping the faith. Let's stand. Would you stand with me? Father, I am thankful for the Bible more all the time. And I'm thankful. Lord, for the accounts that we have of, of Job and others who went through so many different things and yet they kept coming back to You and they kept their faith in You and they trusted You through different times and things in their life. And Lord, I'm thankful we can learn from those things. And I pray even tonight, God, that... Uh, however you may have spoken to hearts tonight, that people would come, that, that they would just bow a knee to you. Lord, they draw strength that they need to stay true. And Lord, that you would just comfort and give strength and give help that they might continue on just being true. Father, whatever needs to happen, just these next few moments, we're trusting that your people will listen to you and that your will would be done. And we thank you for it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano is going to play. Our heads are bowed. Some have already made their way to the altar. You need to come tonight. Why don't you just give God a minute or two? I don't know what may be going on in your life whatsoever. Might be a small trial. Nothing's too small to bring to God. He cares about us. Big or small. Anything in between. Our God cares. He's there for us. We don't know what's going on in our life or why the reason, reasons it's going on. Don't beat yourself up for it too quick. Trust God.